0: ESPN Radio.
1: As of right now, I feel like I am going to play.
0: It will bring an unimaginable
1: additional layer of interest to this event.
2: Look, it's been said for years that Tiger doesn't move the needle. He is the needle.
1: We're going places that have never been gone before. There's a guy almost had to have his leg amputated, and and now all of a sudden he's going to go out there and try and win the Masters.
2: Now everything is focused on how do I get myself into a position where I'm on that back nine on Sunday
0: with a chance. What would be the most improbable win I could ever imagine? ESPN Radio.
2: This is ESPN radio on the ESPN app series XM channel 80. And you can check us out on ESPN plus ESPN radio is presented to you by progressive insurance. I am River Wilson. He's Chris Canty. We're taking you up until 7 PM Eastern. You can tweet to us at Chris Canty 99 at Amber w 790 You can also join the conversation on the Canty call-in line where we are asking you, what are your expectations for Tiger Woods at the Master? Will he win another major? One eight 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 That is 888-729-3776. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and plenty more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. So Chris it has he hasn't played a round in a regular PGA Tour event in more than 500 days. We are just 14 months removed from doctors having to decide whether they were going to amputate Tiger Woods' left leg or not following that horrific car wreck. And here we are talking about Tiger Woods planning to play in the Masters. It's really unbelievable, an unbelievable comeback. And for all things Tiger Woods, we bring in Sports Center ankle anchor Michael Eaves. And, Michael, I, I just want to start with what the environment, because you're down there in Augusta. What has been the environment around Tiger practicing? I mean, I'm seeing pictures of the crowds watching Tiger practice like it's a Master's Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean, not to put too much hyperbole on this conversation, but it's sort of been historic in terms of the number of people that have been out here for practice rounds. I mean, so you, you have a couple things in play here. Number one, this is the first full-capacity um, masters since 2019 which is also the last year the tiger won okay so you have the most people who have been out here in two years so everyone's excited just to be able to come back out here and number two you do have the story of tiger potentially playing for the first time since he last played at the masters which was november of 2020 when he was the defending champion in the year of covid so you put that together this is monday was clearly the most anticipated practice round in the history of this golf tournament and when you saw the the, the people lining that first uh, T-Box as Tiger teed off with Fred Couples and Justin Thomas, it looked like a weekend uh, grouping of patrons. like That looked like the final round on Sunday, Tiger going out with the lead. That's how many people were out there. You don't see that even, even from Masters Week, you don't see that many people out there on a Monday, but they were there. And it's all because Tiger Woods has a chance to play again, which is just remarkable to be able to say that.
0: Michael, because of the injuries that Tiger sustained to his right leg in that car accident 14 months ago, there are a lot of questions as to what version of Tiger Woods we're going to see this weekend down in Augusta. What are the expectations, realistic expectations, for Tiger coming into this weekend? Is it to make the cut? Is it to finish, you know, 72 holes? Or does that even matter?
1: Oh, it matters. I I think it matters for him, okay? I think for for fans, I think, they would just be happy to see him play, whether it's, you know, two days, Thursday, Friday, not making the cut, or just making the cut maybe on the number and playing through Sunday, or obviously everyone wanted to see him contend. Now the thing about Tiger historically, he's always said, every time he tees it up, he expects to win. And he's come back from multiple injuries, whether it's knee surgeries, back surgery, what have you. And he's always maintained that same mentality. He did say though, after this last accident that, you know, his goals were not as lofty as before. He hoped to walk again. He hoped to be able to play with his children again. Then he hoped to be able to play golf in any capacity, then eventually get back to competitive golf and maybe major championship golf, which is where he is right now in a very short period of time. So his expectation, according to him today, was he thinks if he can play, he can win. Because the ball striking, as we say in golf, is there, right? This leg injury is not affecting his swing. It doesn't affect him on short putts. It doesn't affect him on a, long, on, on a full driver swing, okay? The ball striking is there. The only question for him is being able to walk this golf course, which is one of the hilliest golf courses on the PGA Tour, and not just in terms of hills going up and down, but also sideways, you know, left and right. Sometimes the ball is below your feet. Sometimes the ball is above your feet. That puts different pressure on um, different part, parts of your feet as you stand. And so all that is in play for him, and in that he's not been able to do this – the new territory for him, if he can get through those four days from a physical standpoint, walking and recovery, he thinks his game is good enough to contend. So success for him would definitely be making the cut. He's not missed the cut here since 1996 when he was an amateur. So that, in his mind, he would never miss the cut here. And then if he can get to the weekend and contend, um, that's where he would measure real success.
2: Man, I can't believe we're having this conversation. Michael Eves, SportsCenter. and that's
1: the point. I I don't mean to cut you off. That is literally the point of this whole thing. We are actually having this conversation when the man almost died in that car accident. They almost cut off his leg as a result of that car accident. So I know we want to get to him winning and put on the green jacket for the sixth time. But the fact that we're even discussing him being able to play is remarkable.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, uh, we're a year removed from having a conversation uh, whether Tiger Woods is going to be able to walk again. I mean, that's really where the conversation was yeah. after that car wreck, and it's it's insane to think that now he's going to not just be walking, but he's going to be walking the course at Augusta during real competition here. Michael Eves joining Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. So, Michael, you know, there's 90 other golfers that are going to be uh, in this thing in the Masters. If I gave them True Serum, do you think that they would actually want Tiger to be part of the Masters? Because here we are, and the entire conversation is about Tiger Woods, and realistically, none of, none of us expect him to be in a contention to probably win it on Sunday.
1: Yes, they would. And I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. Number one, all golfers are golf fans. Right. So they want the tournaments to be as big as they can. And you put Tiger Woods in the field, the tournament is bigger. It's a bigger deal. So if you win the year Tiger comes back, that's a nice little thing to put on your resume in addition to the green jacket. Oh, yeah, that was the year that Tiger came back from his car accident. Number two, for some of the guys, especially in these few days leading up to Thursday's first round, is that no one's really talking about a lot of people. Right. So, like, even like Roy McElroy had. A lot of questions about Tiger at his press conference today, as much as you did about him trying to complete the career Grand Slam. He's yet to win this major. That would be the last of four for him. Justin Thomas, who's a really good friend of Tiger. So many of the questions today at his press conference were about him. Not, I mean, excuse me, were about Tiger. Not about the guy who's ranked in the top ten, who's already won a major, who's played really well here, and would likely uh, sometime in his career win a championship here. So it's good either way. It brings more excitement to it but also take some of the pressure off some of the other guys in the field.
0: Michael, speaking of top-ranked golfers, the world's number-one-ranked golfer, Scotty Scheffler, not a lot of attention is being paid to him this weekend. What are people <laughs> in golf circles expecting to see from him down at Augusta when the Masters tees off on Thursday morning?
1: Dude, that's a really great, great question because he's played so well as of late. He's won three of his last five starts, right? And that's just a remarkable run for anybody. So if he comes here and wins the Masters, that would be – Four out of six, I mean, that's just insane to, to think about it, especially for a guy who's never won a major before. But no one's played better golf in 2022 than Scotty Scheffler. The issue is a lot of non-golf fans aren't familiar with Scotty Scheffler because he hasn't won a major yet. And, you know, the three wins he have are the first in his career, and he's won in the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to cop out on the question. I, I just think because he's played so well, the expectation for him to come here and do it here, I think may be a bit of a stretch. And also remember this. So he just got the number one ranking Monday, right? His first start after getting that number one ranking will be a major. The last time that happened in the history of the official world golf ranking, uh, 1991, but it was here. And Ian Woosnam um, won it first tournament. He was world number one. He won. So that'd be, you know, something to this, happened just once in the history of the world golf rankings and scotty shepherd would be able to do that it'd be a tremendous story but the fact that he's played so well to think he can keep that rolling that's kind of hard to do at a place like this especially when you've only played it a couple times
2: michael eve's joining us so michael on the way out here we buttered you up with all these other questions but it's time to put the pressure on you who do you have on sunday winning this
1: i picked john rom um couple things. One, he's always played well here. He has you a know, major championship game, and he's probably upset that he hasn't won a green jacket by now, quite honestly, and he really wants to win it because his golf idol was Seve Ballesteros, who won it twice. And so he, he really wants his championship. And another reason I picked him, Amber, I think he's pissed off that he's not the world number one player anymore. He just, mm-hmm. walked, he just lost that ranking this week to Scotty Scheffler. I think he wants it back, and I think that's a little more motivation for him to come here and play well and win his second major. He won the U.S. Open last year at Torrey Pines. and I think to win another one here to get 2022 started, that'd be the way he'd want to start.
2: Michael Eves, live from Augusta. Thanks for hopping on with us. No problem. Todd McShay released his latest mock draft. So up next, we move to the NFL. Could we see more than one quarterback selected in the top 10? That's next. This is ESPN Radio.
1: ESPN Radio.
2: It is that time of year when Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay give us plenty of content here on ESPN Radio because, of course, they come out with all of their mocks. And every time they come out with a mock, Chris Canty and I have to give our thoughts. And so Todd McShay's latest mock draft, he has several trades happening in this mock, he's got several new things going on notably he's got a quarterback going in the top 10 before I get to that though Chris let's start with this the first three picks the Jags the Lions and the Texans all DNs Aiden Hutchinson is the top pick then you've got Trayvon Walker and Caven Thibodeau after that out of Oregon what do you make of that those first three picks putting so much Uh, valuing that position so much.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's reflective of where the NFL's game is going, right? It's all about the quarterback and and the positions that impact the quarterback the most are the positions that hold the highest value for these franchises. So if you look at it, if I were going to power rank the value of positions, of course, it's going to be quarterback number one, but then it's also going to be the guy that knocks down the quarterback. That would be your edge pass rushers most consistently. That's second then it's guy that protects the quarterback from the edge pass rusher. That will be your premier offensive tackles. That would be third. The guys that stop those wide receivers, the cornerbacks, that will be fourth. And then wide receivers would be fifth. I think that's the way that I would look at it. And with having the first three picks off the board being pass rushers, I think that shows you the scarcity at that position around the National Football League. If you've got a dominant edge pass rusher, you usually don't see those guys bounce around the NFL. So – I think those three guys coming off at the top of the board, when you start looking at the, the talent that's in this draft, those three guys are very unique talents and are worthy of being the number one overall pick in their own right. So I, I think that this is probably more in line on what's going to happen in uh, in the draft late April. Um, but uh, I'm excited to see this, man, because I think all three of those pass rushers can go. All three of those guys can be cornerstone pieces for a defensive coordinator to build around.
2: Yeah, it shows the importance of that position. Also shows the fact that the development of pass rushers coming out of college is one that that teams feel like starter day one and and franchise changer day one in terms of the cornerstone of your defense. So that's I will say I will
0: say this, Amber. Also, when it comes to those positions, when it look when you look at the hit rate over the course of the last decade in the National Football League you usually hit on guys that are in the trenches. that Your offensive lineman, your defensive lineman, you usually hit on those guys. So there's a tremendous amount of value in teams being able to use that kind of draft capital on a player that can be a starter for a decade plus. And I think that's also factored into the math when teams make a determination on which direction they're going to go when you have the first overall pick or the second overall pick or the third overall pick.
2: So pass rusher is of utmost importance. In Todd McShay's latest mock, uh, much to the joy of Chris Candy, Hello. safety Hello. is not... Quite the same importance level in Todd McShay's latest mock. Now, Chris Canty was losing his mind because in a couple of Mel Kuyper's mocks, Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame, a safety. He was the second pick in several, I believe, of Mel's mocks. And here, Todd McShay has him going seventh, still high for a safety, but not as high. Are you more comfortable with this?
0: Yeah, I I think I'm more comfortable with Kyle Hamilton being outside of the top five, but still in the top ten. Now, that being said, in order to live up to that kind of draft status, that kind of billing, you're going to have to be Derwin James-esque. You're going to have to be comparable to what we saw from Sean Taylor in his NFL career, albeit very brief. You're going to have to show flashes of that in order to live up to being the seventh overall pick. I mean, the last safety that I remember where I was picked that high was Jamal Adams by the New York Jets in 2017. And the thing that I keep thinking about is the Jets could have had Deshaun Watson or Pat Mahomes, and they passed on him for a safety. Now, they were able to flip that safety for two first-round picks, and Jamal Adams ended up being an all-pro. But I don't think anybody would tell you being six years removed from that, five years removed from that decision, that that was the right decision for the Jets to make. So, um, yeah, I I don't necessarily love the fact that McShea has got Kyle Hamilton going to my New York football Giants, although safety is a position of need for them. But I do understand looking at the unique talent that he is and understanding how today's NFL uh, game is played with teams, you know, majoring in, in sub packages, playing a lot of five and six defensive back looks. Um, so I, I just I, I can understand why a team would fall in love with Kyle Hamilton. I just don't love it because how much value are you going to put in the safety as opposed to some of the other premium positions that you could get at the top of the draft?
2: That is, of course, the second pick in the top 10 for the Giants. Their first pick, which comes at five. They took a tackle, according to Todd McShay. The Jets, speaking of them, they have the fourth pick in this year's draft. They took Garrett Wilson, a wide receiver, out of Georgia. And then there are quarterbacks, of course, going in the first round. There's actually a quarterback in this draft going in the top ten, but I am incredibly proud of us that Chris Canty and I just did an entire segment on a mock draft and we didn't actually talk quarterbacks. So I'm gonna save it for later (laughs) in the show because that's how you get it done, kids. Coming up next, we transition to the NBA is LeBron James's pursuit of the scoring title beneath him. That's next, but first Chris has a word from
0: Indeed. If April is showering your company with open positions Then check out Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. Then invite them to apply and get connected. No more jumping from site to software to cell phone. You can easily schedule and conduct virtual interviews all on the Indeed dashboard. Get started at Indeed.com slash credit. You're listening to
1: ESPN Radio back after this. ESPN Radio.
2: For the Los Angeles Lakers, it may all end tonight. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. The Lakers are sitting at 11th in the West. Mm. Tonight, they take on Mm. the Phoenix Suns. Mm. 10.30 p.m. tip-off. Chris Canty, LeBron James, ain't playing. He was ruled out for tonight's game. He still has that ankle soreness. The team announced today it will be James's third game missed out of the Lakers past four games. Now tonight, if the Lakers lose to the Phoenix Suns and if the San Antonio Spurs win a road game tonight uh, and that tip off is at uh, 9 p.m. against the Denver Nuggets, then the Lakers are officially eliminated from a possibility at the play-in tournament. So their season's over for your Los Angeles Lakers, Chris Canty. Let me start here. Do you want the band-aid to just get ripped off now? I mean, do you want to go through these next four with any semblance of hope or would you rather just end tonight? They have the Suns tonight, obviously no Bron. They have the Warriors on Thursday, uh, the Thunder on Friday, and the Nuggets on sunday not oh,
0: schedule oh amber i want the misery to be over with i i, I just do like I, i'm like lebron james is not playing tonight it's going to be suns by a million this is not even going to be competitive i, I don't anticipate it that it will be neither will the game against the golden state warriors later on in the week the only question is when will we see lebron james come back and get the requisite two games that he needs in order to qualify for the scoring title because at this point as a lakers fan that's really all you're watching for is can LeBron James winning scoring title at age 37 in his mm-hmm. 19th season. I mean, even though, what, that, even though it would be hollow, that that's all that you have to be excited about. It's not about the Lakers potentially getting into the play in because I have my doubts about whether or not they can put, a, get, put together two games in order to make it out of the play in, let alone what they would be in the first round against a team like Phoenix or a team like Memphis. So, I I don't have high expectations for this Lakers team, and I checked my, my excitement at the door right around the NBA All-Star break because I realized that the hole that this team was in was going to be too big for even LeBron James and Anthony Davis to climb up out of. And then when you look at some of the flaws when it comes to roster construction and look at how bad a fit Russell Westbrook is, I, I just knew that this team was going nowhere fast. And so – For me, this is where I expected the Lakers to be. I didn't think that they would be outside of the play-in tournament, but I certainly didn't expect them to win an actual playoff series. So the fact that we're talking about go ahead and skipping the embarrassment of losing in the play-in tournament, I'm good with that as a Lakers fan.
2: I've been saying for a while now that if I'm LeBron, I'd rather just take the summer off because you ain't got enough to get out of the play-in anyways, frankly, and you certainly don't have enough to make any noise in the postseason. If I know that, he knows that. I think I'd rather just have the whole summer off if I'm LeBron and not even bother with being in the position to do that. But I have said that he's chasing that scoring title because it's something that Michael Jordan – did not do at 37 years old. So I think because of that, it's something that matters for LeBron James to do at this point in his career. He currently leads the league in scoring with 30.3 points per game. The problem is that Embiid and Giannis are nipping at his heels. And when I mean nipping at his heels, I mean, they are separated now by just 0.03 points per game, not 0.3, Chris 0.03 points per game. That's, Would not only be the closest three player race ever, but the closest any race has ever been decided it would be something that LeBron can only accomplish if he plays in two of their remaining four games. The fact that he's not playing tonight against the Sun and effectively the Lakers could become eliminated tonight leads me to believe that the only reason LeBron's going to get back out there is for that scoring title, not for the Lakers' postseason hopes.
0: Well, yeah, and, and that would be it, right? That would be the only reason that LeBron would come out. And if I had to bet it, I would say he's coming back for the OKC game and the Denver game as opposed to the game against the Golden State Warriors, because the Warriors are second in defensive efficiency, and we know that the Suns are third in defensive efficiency. So it's a lot tougher road to toe in terms of LeBron being able to get his numbers and make sure that he maintains his standing, maintains his lead over Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So if I had to bet it, I think he's coming back for those last two regular season games. I would be shocked if we don't see LeBron James for the rest of the regular season. Because, again, I think it does mean something to him to be able to do something at age 37 that Michael Jordan wasn't able to do. But, Amber, I would also say this. I didn't see Michael Jordan at age 37 on a team that's irrelevant in terms of the conference standings, and that's exactly where we find the Los Angeles Lakers. They're not even top 10 in the Western Conference standings. And we've all talked about how wide open – the West is in comparison to the Eastern Conference. So the fact that this team, which was handpicked by LeBron James, is this far out of contention, I think you have to lay a lot of criticism at the feet of the king. And quite frankly, that's what makes a scoring title at age thirty-seven a little bit hollow for me. I I, I, I don't. This doesn't move the needle to me in terms of enhancing LeBron James's legacy and bringing him a step closer to Michael Jordan. It just doesn't. If you're talking about him. Being able to hand pick a team where you have arguably one of the best big men in all of basketball and Anthony Davis and a future Hall of Famer and Russell Westbrook—if you're talking about that team contending for a title, then yeah, maybe I would I would be more interested in, in in having a conversation about LeBron closing the gap with Michael Jordan. But a scoring title when your team is as many games under 500 as the Lakers are right now—I I don't think it does anything. do, do you?
2: I, I do because of when he's doing it in his career. I do think it matters, and I think that's why so them he's chasing being 16 it. Sixteen games
0: he is. under five hundred. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That but part of not, it doesn't it's matter. It's not
2: on his shoulder. Now, it's on his shoulders in terms of LeBron, the general manager, and we will have that conversation all off-season long, believe that. And he deserves all of the criticism because of that because he has signed off on every Polinka move that has been made, if not encouraged some of those moves. But in terms of James as the player, he has been the Lakers' outright scoring leader in almost 84% of the games that he's played this season. That would be the highest such percentage in NBA history for a player in his 15th NBA season or later. The current record right now is 80% by Carl Malone. The mailman's, 15th season is when he did it LeBron James is in year 19 so it's remarkable that we're having this conversation about LeBron bearing that weight for the Lakers and yes to your point he has to bear that weight because this Lakers roster has not been good and because AD has not been out there and some of that criticism does fall on LeBron but nevertheless the fact that he has been bearing that weight at 37 years old the fact that he is leading the league right now currently in scoring I still do find it remarkable 19 years into his career
0: well yeah i mean i guess it, it is remarkable i'm not trying to, to take that away from him but i mean it, it takes a little bit of the luster off of it with the team not having the overall success that you would expect the lebron james led team to have i mean the story was for the majority of lebron james's career you can put him on the court with four other dudes and he's going to drag them to the playoffs and they're probably going to be a title contender that's not the case right now yet we're seeing lebron james take more shots than we've pretty much ever seen him take at any point in his career. Only the second time in his career, Amber, LeBron James has a negative plus minus on the season. The only other time that happened was his rookie year. There are some abysmal teams that he was on in Cleveland, yet he found a way to get those teams into the playoffs and with one of those teams, take them to the Eastern Conference Finals, although they got bounced by the Boston Celtics. I, I just don't understand how we can sit here and say that this scoring title some way enhances LeBron's legacy, given how awful the team is. you could. There's a case to be made that maybe LeBron James doesn't need to be averaging 31 points a game in order for this team to be successful. Maybe there's a, a different path where they could be more competitive no. because guess what? They can't it's be not. any worse than what they already are.
2: I don't know about that. And honestly, you can say I don't you think don't know any about path. that,
0: Amber, but there's 16 games below 500, LeBron James averaging 30 points doesn't seem to matter. The
2: only path that they would have had to be successful is if Anthony Davis had been healthy. That's it. That was the path, and or that if, wasn't going to happen. Or if
0: they decided that they were going to go with DeMar DeRozan in free agency over Russell Westbrook.
2: Well, there, that, Magic, that's a whole different Which is different what Magic
0: came out and said, which is what Jalen Rose came out and said, yet LeBron James didn't want that, in the communication with Russell Westbrook from Clutch Sports and LeBron James is what ultimately ended up usurping the deal that they were trying to put together with DeRozan. But that's another story that we can get into later on in the show. All I'm saying is, if LeBron James created this situation, then he can't claim to be a hostage of it.
2: Well, so LeBron has to appear in two of the next four to even compete for the scoring title at this point. Uh, They take on the Suns tonight again, 10.30 p.m. tip-off. warriors Thunder and Nuggets down the stretch. Joel Embiid, uh, LeBron has uh, 30.27 points per game. Joel Embiid has 30.2 points per game right now on average. The 76ers will see the Pacers today, the Raptors, the Pacers again, and then the Pistons. Giannis is at 30.08 points per game. He's going to take on the Bulls today, the Celtics, the Pistons, and the Cavs down the stretch. So we will see who ends up the points-per-game leader in the NBA. But coming up next, we transition to the NFL. Is Daniel Jones still the Giants franchise quarterback? We talk about all of Chris Canty's favorite teams, the Lakers to the Giants. Let's get him riled up. That's next. (laughs) This is ESPN Radio.
1: ESPN Radio.
2: Kyrie Irving is available to play for the Brooklyn Nets night in and night out down the stretch here. The Brooklyn Nets are sitting at 10th in the East and looking at a play-in scenario to get into the postseason. But he said something really interesting, Chris, that uh, struck me. Take a listen to Kyrie Irving. No, I, I think that was probably uh, you know part of our... our uh our own pressure that we're putting on ourselves it's, it's just this must win now mentality and, and though it is there but you know we, we're in it for the long run so we, we're just going to play free and and do everything we can to prepare for this uh playing tournament whatever it is i've never been in a situation like this where uh late in the season all these games matter you know usually you're just trying to fine-tune your game you know, just work on details and you know, get some rest That's the part of this that struck me is Kyrie Irving, who said, I've been playing 40 minutes at the end of the season. It's the first probably few times in my career. Even when I think about my first few years in Cleveland, he goes on to talk about, he said that he's never felt so much pressure as he's feeling right now down the stretch here for the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm thinking, yo, Kyrie, you've been begging all season for the government in New York to change this vaccine mandate that was keeping you off the court. And now it sounds like you're complaining about how much you're having to play.
0: Yeah, and you want off days too, and it's just sitting there like you've had off the majority of the regular season. I I don't quite understand. You're supposed to be the fresh legs. You're supposed to be the injection of energy and enthusiasm that this team needs in order to get ready to go on a playoff run, and it doesn't sound like you have the kind of urgency that reflects the mission that you and Kevin Durant set out to to accomplish when you guys came here three years ago. And speaking of being in it for the long term – I mean, Kevin Durant is, is locked up on a long-term contract. There's a reason why the Brooklyn Nets haven't extended that contract offer to Kyrie Irving. It's because they don't know whether or not they can trust him. And so when you think about the vaccine mandate and him deciding that he wasn't going to get vaccinated during the season and then going back to two years ago where he went AWOL from the team, I could understand why the Nets, Josiah, and, and their brass would, would be caught in betwixt and between in giving Kyrie Irving a contract extension. But all of that being said, Amber, this is about competing for a championship. That's where the Brooklyn Nets are at with this thing. And for Kyrie Irving to say, well, yeah, you know, it's a long-term thing and there's no pressure on this season, that's a bunch of bull. There has to be pressure on this season because when you have two players as talented as Kyrie and KD on the same team, the goal should be winning championships.
2: And the whole reason that you have all this late-season pressure is because you weren't available for the majority of the season or not the entire season. That's why your team is in this situation, Kyrie. So sorry you had to play 40 minutes, but that's it.
1: ESPN Radio.
2: Congratulations, Chris Canty. Your quarterback, Daniel Jones, he says... He's good. He's ready to go. He's gonna be healthy. No problems with the neck. He said, "I've cleared. I'm gonna be ready to play." Congratulations, Chris. I mean, I, I, that's a Super Bowl coming, right? What are your expectations?
0: Don't 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 be like don't don't be that I'm person, saying, Amber. Don't don't be guy. so you know? negative. Listen, Listen, I I feel about Daniel Jones probably the same way that Dolphins fans feel about Tua. As a matter of fact, if you're a Dolphins fan, I don't know how you could feel better about your quarterback situation. Than, you could, than the Giants fans feel about theirs. The only thing I will say about the Dolphins is you got some weapons that you probably feel better about surrounding your quarterback than the New York Giants do. Like, the Giants don't have a Tyreek Hill. They don't have a Jalen Waddle. although Kadarius Toney looked damn good in the few games that he was able to play in in his rookie season. We just don't have those types of playmakers, but as far as what the quarterbacks have shown early on in their NFL careers, I don't think that there's much difference between the two. Neither one of them can stay healthy. So that's that's, a part of the biggest problem that's facing both of them. With Daniel Jones in particular, we've seen three seasons, and in all three seasons, he's missed time in each one of them. Herm Edwards used to say the best ability is availability, and that's the thing that seems to elude Daniel Jones. So that's the biggest part of what he's going to have to get past going into year four. Just be out there on the field for all 17, and then we'll see where the chips fall.
2: I don't know why you always have to take shots at my guy to uh, this conversation no, it's is about Daniel Jones. because you took shots Daniel. at me,
0: no, 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 no! no. Don't turn around and play the victim you. here, Amber Wilson. Listen, don't you do it? I'm not going to let you do it too. on this radio no. show. Don't you try it. You're the one that used sarcasm to bring us back from break and talking about my New York Giants and saying you got to be thinking Super Bowl that Daniel Jones is passed the neck injury. Ain't nobody in the tri-state area thinking the Giants going to compete for a Super Bowl this year. So I'm stop just saying, yourself. Listen, you. You. knew that was the case. You just wanted to do that to get me fired up. Well, congratulations, Amber Wilson. You got me fired up. And while I'm at it right now, Joe Shane, new head coach, Brian Daybo, don't you guys think about giving Daniel Jones a fifth-year option. Don't you do it. This is a proven year for him, and if he can't get it done, then guess what? You use a draft pick in 2023 and get yourself a franchise quarterback because he ain't your guy.
2: Well, I think that's the plan, right? But they obviously, you're talking about a player who missed – the last six games of the season last season because of that neck. Every one of Daniel Jones season has been marked by injury. The problem with that is like you said, you're a few years into this Daniel Jones experience. And at some point, the conversation has to transition from we see the talent, right? It's there. He he just doesn't have the pieces around him, and he's playing through injury. It has to transition from that to this dude just isn't available enough, and this dude just can't elevate the lack of talent around him. And frankly, Chris, I've seen quarterbacks – Drafted to bad teams who end up in the Super Bowl like Joe Burrow, or end up like Justin Herbert, who sure you're not in a postseason, but you know right away even in the rookie year that dude is great. We have seen it in the modern NFL, and yes, a lot of these times don't necessarily a lot of these guys don't necessarily get enough time. Daniel Jones has enough time, so I don't have a problem with them writing it out. Frankly, this season, but they absolutely cannot exercise that fifth year option. They have to figure it out now. Much like my Miami Dolphins, who you decided to take a shot at necessarily but the whole thing with <laughs> Tua is you've got to figure it out now nobody can go back through the Ryan Tannehill experience like we did in Miami for year after year after year after year after year questioning whether he's good or not in today's NFL in 2022 you have to figure out whether you have the guy and if you don't you have to move on from the guy and not put yourself in a bad situation there's so many questions around Daniel Jones but what I will say about Daniel Jones is that the experts always say that he's got the talent and that he, has it, that he shows it from time to time in snippets. You know a lot more about this stuff than I do. Do you have any belief that Daniel Jones could realistically turn a corner if he is healthy this season? Could he turn a corner and end up being the guy in New York?
0: Amber, I will answer that with something that Bill Parcells used to always say. Potential just means you haven't done it yet. And all of these NFL experts keep talking about the potential of Darren Daniel Jones and what led to him being the sixth overall pick. You see the flashes of it, but in the NFL, it's about being consistent. When teams are game planning for you and taking away the things that you like to do the most, do you have an answer for them and can you find a way to be effective? Can you be productive? And most importantly, can you elevate the talent around you? We've seen that with young quarterbacks. We saw it with Joe Burrow. We've seen it with Justin Herbert. I mean, to a degree, Amber, you saw it with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia with that offense being geared around the run game. They had the number one run game in the National Football League, and it was based on their quarterback being a focal point of that. So Jalen Hurts, in his own way, made the talent on that Philadelphia Eagles team that much better with the skill set that he was bringing to the table. You can't say that at any point about Daniel Jones, and it's not for a lack of the Giants trying to surround him with the right supporting cast. They spent big money on Kenny Galladay. They spent the first-round draft pick on Kadarius Toney. Evan Ingram was a first-round pick at the tight end position. Saquon Barkley was the second overall pick in the draft once upon a time. They they spent the fourth-round pick on Andrew Thomas and passed on the opportunity to draft Justin Herbert. I, I just don't know how many different ways you can look at it and say the Giants haven't tried to support Daniel Jones. They have. It just that just so happens that Daniel Jones hasn't gotten it done. In, in the games that he's played in his first three seasons, he's accounted for 50 total touchdowns to 49 total turnovers. That's not good enough. So I think a step in the right direction for Daniel Jones in terms of proving that he is the Giants' answer at quarterback for the foreseeable future is just proving that he's not the worst quarterback in the NFC East. And, Amber, it feels like that's a relatively low bar to clear when you've got the division with Carson Wentz in it, with Jalen Hurts in it, and then, of course, Zach Prescott. Just prove you're not the worst of the lot, and I think that's a step in the right direction.
2: Uh, that, just prove you're not the worst of the lot. That's where the bar is now for Daniel Jones. I, I honestly don't think that there's a ton that he could do here. I think that Daniel Jones would have to do something miraculous for the Giants to exercise that fifth-year option. Coming up next, we go back to Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all.